This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Hey, Jared. What? <laughs> what is that? I, I, yeah. Uh, Got to keep you on your toes, bro. Uh, I guess so. Or, or scare the <laughs> listeners. All right. So welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. That's Jared. I'm Mark. Thanks for joining us. This is uh, <laughs> another replay episode. This was episode number. Oh, didn't plan. Thir- I, I had it on my screen and oh. just for some reason scrolled below the number. Okay. Uh, but this is episode 13 with Tony Bowie and Chris Lee, uh, also known as Genuine Haha and The Beast is Back. Which was very exciting to have them on the show. Like it was um, fairly relatively early on in the recording. And so it was nice that they uh, agreed to come on and, um, you know, talk about their work and cons, mostly talking about cons, I think. Yeah, so we, uh, I tried to focus this on conventions because they both have really impressive booth setups. Um, you know, no matter what, what kind of a, a booth they're doing or event or convention, um, they always have really impressive setups. And this, we talked to them, I think, a week or two prior or before Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked a lot about Comic-Con and what their plans were for the booth. Um, but... This week is DesignerCon, so we thought it'd be a good idea to re-release this episode um, right before DesignerCon because they will be there along with Jared and myself. Yes. I will be at booth 407 and Jared will be at booth 401. Yes, on the corner, just like last year. It's a good yeah, spot. So Jared's actually in the exact same spot. We were um, corner neighbors last time, mm-hmm. last year. Hey, it's going to be our anniversary. <laughs> it will be what do you have did you get me an anniversary gift i'll yet? never tell um <laughs> yeah one year how exciting but yes uh, we will both be back there i will probably be running back and forth between uh, my booth and then you know one booth between us heading down to square Co. <laughs> booth so uh if you're there definitely come by and say hi we will we will be there and i don't know are you giving anything away mark uh, you know, I will be giving something away. So oh. if you come in and say you are a Squared Co. podcast listener, um, I will give you a free pin. Oh. Not of choice, but a free <laughs> Squared Co. pin. Um, and, maybe you know, I, I'll probably throw in some other goodies because I'm a nice guy. Oh, that's very nice. So say the podcast Squared Co. podcast sent you and I'll give you some cool stuff. Uh, so what are you get? Let's let's recap again. What are you going to have special at this designer con? I'll, this year? I'll start with the most special since I hurt your feelings last time we talked about this. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <point>. <laughs> so uh, Jared gave me a print. It is little Leicas, and it's all of the Leica characters from each of the four films they've had so far. So it's Coraline, Paranorman, Eggs from Box, Box Trolls. Trolls, and uh, Kubo. Kubo. So all four of the, those characters on one print. I will also be releasing some new pins. Um, we have a Ninja Turtles Krang pin by <laughs> Squirrel, which is awesome. And she also did um, a bunch of t- Ninja Turtle prints. So we have a lot of 
prints and one pin from Squirrel. Uh, we also have Power Rangers print for, by Mike Anderson. And to accompany that, we have a set of Power Ranger pins. And then we've got a Ghostbusters pin. Yes. That the artwork for that one was done by Chris Ramo, who was on a, our podcast over the summer. I finally got his Spooky Things book, came in the mail. Thank you, Chris. You did get it. I saw I the, the pictures. It looked really cool. I like that sticker that you mentioned, or you, you zoomed his, in on His that, warning that label? Warning. Yeah. yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. And then, let's see, the last new exclusive uh, decon thing we're doing is a Thor pin. So we'll have Thor's helmet from the new movie uh, as a pin available. So those are all of our new releases this year for decon we really hope that you stop by uh jared what do you have that's new well you also have new walls so this will be kind of uh, the beginning of the squared co setup uh very different from what you had last year it's (laughs) not really new but what yeah part of i'm going crazy with the booth this year and i'm gonna have some walls to hang art from yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing it. Um, me, me too. Like your own space, <laughs> like you're gonna, because you had such a tiny little area last year, and you did a lot with it. Uh, but yeah, this year I was just talking like, about that. I think that it was. It's so crazy to think back last year. It, we essentially, I had to split a booth, but luckily it was on a corner. Mm-hmm. So the way that we did it was, uh, my friend Django Snow, who actually had it was his booth. He got the the front of it, and I was kind of. An extension of your table, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were both on the um, same side. So we were facing like a very weird spot, but it it actually worked really well. Where the way our booth was set up, it almost felt like two separate booths. Yeah, we were very divided, um, and just kind of had our own space within the booth. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, yeah, I'm excited to see what you do with like having your own space now and being uh, much bigger uh, than than last year. So. Yeah, and the, I mean, at least for now, the thought is to just continue to grow next year. Maybe I'll upgrade to two booths or maybe even three booth spaces. You never know. Is it that easy? Like, I know you'll probably get it because you're there this year, but is it that easy to sort of bump up uh, in space or is it always sort of Uh, a request? I'm not sure. I know that this year I would have gotten the same corner booth had I been able to, but they sold out of the corners um, pretty early, at least. I went to purchase my booth space the first day, mm-hmm. but it's probably a few hours into, you know, when you can purchase a booth space and all of the corners were already sold out. Mm. So I know that every year it's like almost impossible to be a new vendor because yeah. pretty much everybody renews and they're not getting new spaces really. So yeah, if you're not kind of grandfathered in, it's really difficult to get in. I was just reading an article with the with the founder of DesignerCon, and he was talking about it growing and, and continuing to get bigger. I wonder if that means moving spaces, because I think they're about maxed you have out to. here, right? Yeah, because they have the two halls, and then the, last year was the first year they did the third one, which is, mm-hmm. it's not off-site, but it's in like another building, like, like another convention yeah, center Yeah, it's just across, across the way there. Um, but yeah, so I was wondering what that would, what that would mean if they, if they expanded, um, cause if they're selling out every year, that probably does mean there's, there's room for more, but I would yeah. hate to see it get too, too crazy. I really, yeah. And I really like the Pasadena convention center. Mm-hmm. It's, um, where it's not overwhelmingly big, but it's, it's big enough to have a good time and like spend at least a very full day going around the convention. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see 
what they do with the growth or if they try and contain it and just keep it, you know, kind of as is and find out other ways to expand. How would you feel about twice a year? Oh man, (laughs) I think that would, I don't, so I would be, I would enjoy it. I'd have fun doing that, but I don't know. Do you think people would be interested in going twice a year? Mm. I don't, it seems like con seasons are getting so like year round now, like there's no off season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I know that Long Beach Comic Con, I think they do a show in the summer and then like in February. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if one of them is more successful than the other or if both of them are successful. I think that's what I would always worry about is that like say you did one in the summer, I don't know, or, or like, you know, late spring or something like that. If one becomes better attended than the other, then it's kind of a waste, yeah. right? Like, right. then nobody wants to do the spring one and everyone wants to do the November one. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's all speculation. I will have a Teen Titans print, Teen Titans Go print. So, it's the silly cartoon version, not like the comic book characters. And a bunch of mini prints uh, that I do every year of different characters. So, like Care Bears and Sailor Moon and just various things, uh, a small sort of edition sizes on those and then various prints from the shows that I've done in the past year and a half or two years. Uh, so like the little shop of horrors print, the uh, princess bride print I did for you. Uh, I'll have those, the gold version, like one or two of those. So if you Ooh. want that, get there, get there right away. Uh, but that's about it. Um, I didn't plan very well for this year. I, I should have, <laughs> I, I always have high hopes uh, of doing a bunch of stuff for this show because I love it. And then it just sneaks up on you. And then, yeah. you know, you're just scrambling to get just the, the bare bones minimum uh, of, you know, ready on time. So I was just thinking about this. I, you know, within the last two weeks, probably I started panicking to get everything finished. I probably mm-hmm. should have started panicking like two months ago. That way I could have everything lined up and probably squeeze in a few more things. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I mean, I'm definitely excited and I think it's, our booth's going to be, it's definitely going to be a big improvement um, and drastically different from last year. Well, I can't wait. I'm very excited. And it's fun just to hang out. So if you're coming oh, yeah. to the show, definitely come by and say hello and feel free to like hang out. I think that's, that tends to be what happens. I think most, most of the time, don't you think <laughs> like people just kind of hang out like, <laughs> Yeah, walk around I mean, and so come back. It's crazy. And- Last year, Squared Co. had just started, you know, producing pins and prints and stuff like that. And there was a few people that were followers online mm-hmm. or, you know, through social media that came up specifically to our booth because they were followers and kind of introduced themselves. So it's cool. Um, I can only imagine that, you know, there's going to be more and more every year that we do this. So I'm anxious and interested to see and meet you know, all of you guys that are listening that are in Southern California. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, some of the people that we've had on the show uh, definitely will be there. I mean, we said like Chris and Tony will be there, of course. And uh, yeah, Jared. And, Jared. and then, um, I think Benson is going to come by. I, I don't think he's oh, exhibiting, really cool. but he said he was going to come by. Is CTN the same? No, not this, this year. year. I think this is the first year that they bounced it like a week later or something like that. I know so, that was always annoying because you had to choose like which convention you wanted to go to and yeah. which one you wanted to exhibit at so um, hopefully that means so bigger crowds and it's supposed to be good weather and yeah yeah it um, rained last year which yes. was terrible not helpful. for when i was trying to unload everything it yeah. was raining on us which was just a nightmare so anyway this is a, a big busy week for us and we've got to get back to uh packing and and all that stuff and i will yes, be seeing yes. you in just a few days so 
we hope you enjoy listening to Chris and Tony again because they give a lot of general con advice uh, about yeah. setting up your booth and stuff. And my audio drops out a few times, so listen for that. That's very exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, anything else to uh, but, add, Mark, before we... That's Oh, one thing, um, really quick. If you haven't already, rate and review us. We're going to yes. give away a prize really soon. Um, actually, anytime you're listening to this, we're always doing new giveaways. So the way to enter the contest is to rate and review us on iTunes. Um, but make sure you write a review because that's the only way we can see your names and you will be eligible. That's so right. leave a rating, write a review. Now enjoy episode 13 with... Tony Bowie and Chris Lee. Enjoy. So we got something a little bit different. Uh, this is our first show where we have more than one guest. Yikes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so bear with us. It could get messy. But we have Tony Bowie and Chris Lee with us today. What's going on, gentlemen? Hey, welcome. Hello. <laughs> so i don't know how this is gonna play out uh so let's just see what happens and have try and have some fun with it i guess <laughs> we're all about yeah. fun <laughs> but so you guys are like bff f's for life right <laughs> i wanted uh, before we started <laughs> i i wanted to hear how you guys met and this love story started <laughs> Oh, Chris, let me, um, let me tell the story. Oh, yeah, Tony, I'll tell the story. Please. Uh, but, um, first, you guys I'll have a little continue, rehearsed uh, story? Yeah, we do. Well, I think I'll tell the, the story a little bit better because it sounds so... Uh, romantic? Uh, yeah, yeah, romantic is a good word. But uh, I will continue Jared's tradition of giving you a nickname. Ah, so oh, please. you are today, you could be uh, the Iron Man Mark One. Uh, huh? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we'll just we have go. the guests do well, it from now on. Yeah. I think that's so where it's like with 46 yeah. more armors to go through. <laughs> I was just going to say, we've got a, a long list going with that now. Um, but yeah, let's hear, let's hear this romantic story. Okay. I'm excited. So uh, I moved to L.A. in 2010. And um, in 2011, I was with uh, living with my then roommate. And uh, he invited he and our mutual friend invited me to um, Mich- uh, this other friend named Michelle. I only met Michelle twice, and uh, they invited me to her birthday. And it was uh, <laughs> it was one of the big birthdays, like the the twenty fifth, and uh, you know, uh, Mark. So it's I think that's like a you know a special birthday. You you want it to be intimate, and there I am, um, just meet, meeting her twice. I'm like, no, I don't want you guys to babysit me. So, uh, they really, like, really had to, to get me to go. So, um, yeah, so I, I end up going, and they sit me across from Chris, and um, our friend Laura introduces me to Chris. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, Tony, here's Chris. He's Asian. He's like you. He's an illustrator. <laughs> and um, so, I'm, I, yeah, so I sit directly across from Chris, and um, we just start talking. Your, eye, your and, eyes lock. <laughs> Well, let, wait, let's let's back up for a second. So I'm there because my girlfriend is uh, best friends with Michelle. Mm-hmm. And so I just come along, you know, because I also know her. So I'm at this but lunch. I'm, I'm you know, positive you know Michelle yeah. more than two occasions compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely met her way yeah. before you. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So then, um, yeah, within 30 seconds of meeting Chris, I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. And t- 
so uh, when he introduces his name, I was like, hey, are you Christopher Lee? And he says, yeah, that's my name. And I was like, <laughs> I tell Chris, Chris, we have, I, I, think, I know you are. We have mutual friends. And I bring up our two mutual friends, which is uh, Trisha and Crystal, who Chris knows from Sacramento, who at the time is going to San Jose State. And they were telling me about Chris, who's like this, this guy that's still in school, doing stuff for Target. And uh, once I see his, his website, uh, his portfolio, I'm like, whoa, this guy's stuff is so, so different. Because I was studying to be like a, a concept artist for like video games and animation. Mm-hmm. And uh, just what Chris was doing, I was like, well, that's really cool. And the one thing that Chris um, was doing differently from a lot of artists at the time was that he had an about me section on his website. So it included his interests, which was cool, but it also included this really emo looking picture of Chris. And he had <laughs> awesome. like he had the big earrings. He had like the, the really thick <laughs> glasses and like, you know, the the really moppy hair. And at the time I was like, dude, mm-hmm. I can't be friends with this guy. He's <laughs> he's just too emo looking. And um yeah, so when, uh, so I told him that story and um I really don't remember what I ordered at the restaurant, but I know I was talking to Chris the entire time. And um, Chris busts out his iPad. He has never done this before or after. But yeah, he has an iPad at the restaurant and he shows me, he just moved into his house and he showed me his toy collection. Oh, um, which was that's two, what sealed the deal. It was two display cases of toys. Yeah. I was like, what? He's like, hey, do you want to come over? I, I'm, <laughs> wow, yeah, moving yeah, fast. I, yeah, that yeah. was so fast. Then I asked, yeah. I think I followed up with, hey, do you want to be friends? And, uh, <laughs> well, no, so so Tony wants to just pick my brain about art and just, you know, creative stuff. Whatever. My story. And then that's, I, it wasn't just me saying, hey, Tony, you want to come <laughs> well, over? Well, let's say for this and story. I like was, Tony's version yeah. better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, yeah, ever since uh, we've been friends and it's just been... Uh, well, I think it started with we had like four mutual Facebook friends, but now we're up to, I don't know, maybe 80. So I think in a way <laughs> we were always supposed to be friends in some, in Meant some context. To be. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Tony, you grew up in San Jose. Is that right? I, I went to San Jose. went to San Jose State, which I know you also went to. Right, uh, right. Uh, I did the animation illustration program with Buddy and Courtney. And then uh, I moved down to L.A. from 2010 to well, I got an internship at Nickelodeon because I wanted uh-huh. to be in animation. And then I realized animation is really hard. And I just want yeah. to do my particular <laughs> style. So, yeah. yeah, I've been just pursuing my, my own thing. And what part, of San Jose, what part of San Jose are you from? I'll, I just wanted to get this out of the way, Mark. No, no, no go ahead. Uh, okay, so I used to live on the east side until I was uh-huh. six. So that's where, uh, you know, McLaughlin is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, sure. And then I moved to Milpitas ever since. So I claim San Jose, okay. but it's really Milpitas, the next city over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I lived in Milpitas for a little while uh, as well. But yeah, I, I didn't realize you were from San Jose. I know you went to San Jose State, so I always have to find out where people Wait, where people so, were. Jared, where did you go to high Milpitas, school? And you lived in Milpitas, I, and I, you also lived in Sacramento. Well, so I grew up in San Jose, South San Jose, uh, and then when I moved out, I had some friends that had a house in Milpitas, so I moved to Milpitas during college time, and I lived there while I was going to San Jose State. And then after I started working and everything, uh, I had to move. It's too expensive for me to live in San Jose, so I moved to Sacramento, <laughs> a little bit cheaper. It, it, you, it's like that's me and Chris is both our like hometown, so it's really impressive yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're living everywhere that we, <laughs> we've lived. Um, what was your question again before I interrupted you? 
Oh, no, no, no. I was just wondering about like living in San Jose because I, I wonder where you went to high school and all that oh, stuff. I went to the only school, high, high school Mopitas, Mopitas High. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mark, I'm sorry. I had to derail that for San Jose. Oh, no, no, no. It's San all Jose good. Talks. Um, but before we move on past this bromance, you guys have this. I didn't know it was a thing, and it may not be, but I've seen several pictures. We've got this bro pose. <laughs> you got your arms at like a 90-degree angle where, where the elbow is. You're holding hands, and you're staring off into the camera. Is this like an official Tony and Chris uh, trademarked pose? Uh, Definitely not. <laughs> and I think, is this just this just uh, what's the, is there a background story or origin to this? Or is this just your attempt to... Uh, to be hard? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> cool. yeah. the name of that pose is, what I know, it's called oh, uh, the hard style it. pose, the hard style pose. And uh, okay. I usually push that pose onto Chris all the time. <laughs> I like the most weirdest places, like uh, in front of like Harry Potter world and Universal. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the nerdier the place, the more we want to do it. And uh, it's go. come to the point where, uh, yeah, Chris already knows when I want to do it, so... Yeah, you just give you got that that eye like you got a certain yeah. stare and he's like oh shit we got to do the heart pose now <laughs> yeah it's pretty much it um so coming up really quick we got comic-con and i know you guys have teamed up with a few other artists to do this i don't know if i'm how i'm supposed to phrase this but you got some it's a button it's a giveaway it's a button yeah. giveaway formerly known as something else um but this is the second year that you've done something like this? It is. Yeah, so before, so last year, we, Tony and I just wanted to think of a way to kind of uh, get, get the attendees of Comic-Con and uh, more excited or uh, ways to, to drive traffic to our booths. So we, we did this giveaway where uh, the theme was Versus, and mm. we just kind of did, you know, we came up with a list of all these fun, you know, kind of pop culture Versus um, duos like Freddy versus Jason, Robocop versus Terminator. And uh, each day just people would come over to our booths and just pick up a free button. And, and we had a new button for the four days of the show. Is that, did that, do you think that brought a new audience to you guys or this people that would have already been going to your booth? You think? Well, so I think some people who were aware of our work would come, you know, specifically to us. And then others, you know, maybe a new customer, we would just give them a button and tell them that we had this giveaway going on. Cool. And then, um, you know, then they would come back each day. So yeah, I probably, kind of cool. I probably saw the same like 15 to 20 people every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it brought in a new audience, but I do feel that since we're bringing on Patrick and Joey and they have like such huge con Mm. Uh, notoriety that um, this year is going to be totally different, and the way Chris like did the promotion for it in terms of like the 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 backer cards and the photo shoot, it just looks really uh, legitimate. That uh, <laughs> well, let's back up because the the listeners don't know what we're talking about. So this year, there you go. We have uh, we we continued this this giveaway, and we added Joey Chu, who's this amazing uh, just amazing illustrator mm. all around. Super prolific, uh, as well as Patrick Ballesteros, who does these really, uh, really cute. Um, he has an illustration series called 25 Cent Wonders, mm-hmm. which is kind of like kid versions of pop culture characters writing these uh, kind of mechanized, kind of old school. Mm-hmm. Those, those little cent. rides that are in front of like the supermarket and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Um, so we both we know both of them, and and because this year marks the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, we decided that'd be a really fun theme to uh, to do, uh, you know, with our own takes on on some of the characters. Yeah. So is this a new trend? You think you're going to be doing every Comic Con, or to see how it it plays out? Uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out. It, it takes a long time. I have to give credit to my girlfriend Christine who packed sixteen hundred <laughs> buttons. Oh, Jesus, actually eighteen hundred buttons. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, but go, but going back to the packaging that Tony was. Did we mention the theme? So did we I tell made the, the theme already. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I made the card back look like a vintage, uh, mm-hmm. like Star Wars action figure card back. Um, so just to kind of play up the theme and then the photo shoot was, it looks like the Death Star interior with yeah. the lit hallway and, I don't know, just, just to kind of, uh, I just love doing thematic photo shoots when I can. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> so how is, what is the, let our, me, let me finish this about the pins though. Like how, what's the setup for the pins? So the people come each day to get a new pin from each booth or like what, what should people do to get these? Cause I don't think you're going to have any trouble getting rid of these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, uh, so there's, there's four of us uh, located almost like at four different spots of the convention and they just come each day to pick up a button uh, for as long as we okay. have them. And that's it. Great. Moving past the exclusives here. I wanted to talk to you about like just cons in general and what it takes to for you guys to prepare for one was now like looking at your booths at every convention you do you guys have probably one of the most impressive booths in the entire convention so like going into decon you guys were next to each other and like kind of worked together to have this really impressive setup um but you know if we're staying on the comic con topic how much time before the convention, do you have to spend like getting ready and prepared for something like that? Uh, Tony, you can, you can start. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, I will first. I gotta say thanks to Chris for for being there and helping me like grow my uh, presentation. It's always an inspiration to look at Chris's stuff. Uh, starting, <laughs> if you look at my last sketchbook, I would say fifty percent of that sketchbook was just designing. Uh, future displays. In fact, oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So th- th- uh, that gives you how much an idea of like. Uh, not only do we think about art, but we think about presenting our art. Because personally, so I, is is this something that like you try and come up with a new booth every single time? Like you have a convention? No, no, no. You, are you not? I, I personally don't. I come up with like a um, what's the best way to present the stuff. Like if you uh-huh. if you have a product already that you think is great but it's not selling well, like you really have to think is this a, is this a bad product or is this a bad way of displaying the product? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, with every iteration, I'm uh, I'm taking notes from other people, taking notes from Chris. Like for for my enamel pins, it was like the the card backer is black and it's front of like a black grid with a black background. So I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. the pins aren't getting that much notice right now. Why is that? I have like a good volume of pins around 11 to 12 pins. And then I realized, Oh, okay. It's just too much black. Let me throw a blue background, um, to make that pop. So that's one of the new things I did for, for this particular show, uh, San Diego. And it's, and it's also the blue from his, his branding. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. It all kind of ties back together. So yeah. Uh, telling a story. One thing, uh, I've noticed is like, you know, when people are creating art, they, they make you move your eye, uh, you know, left to right. 
but they don't think about that in a 3D space when designing a booth. Like, you know, there's some great artists, but they're not presenting their stuff great at all. It's just on the table, flat. And you just yeah. have you just got to make sure you got to move the eye when you're when, – because you're competing against other people. And uh, I, I do think, like, for you to get noticed, I don't want to say, like, you got to make really tall displays because that could get uh, – I can get it a little bit annoying. You just have to make sure mm-hmm. that it you present your brand well. That ha- that when someone sees it, they're like, "Oh, this is a series. This guy has the vision of what he wants to do." And then you move that eye, um, so, so you see all the products, and that yeah, some products don't get lost. So uh, yeah, I, I don't bring all my uh, inventory with me. I bring you know the hits, and then yeah, yeah. That, so that's what I'm drawing in my books. So like I'm. I'm I'm just uh, envisioning how uh, the average person would move within my table or my booth. So uh, when you're like designing this stuff, do you have, do you set it up beforehand, like in your apartment or in your room, like actually live set it up? Or do you just have a really good detailed idea in your head and what will work with this booth space? Uh, Personally for me, almost 70% of the time, 75% of the time, I will do mm-hmm. um, a setup in my in my office room. And how long does that like? I know. So another thing that's super impressive with you guys, which I'm just beyond jealous of, is you'll s- roll up, set up your booth like within an hour. Like <laughs> you, and you've got so much shit too. It's like, how the fuck do you get all this stuff like crammed into one trip, and then you pop it all up? within an hour and then it looks amazing and you've got like five times as much product oh. as most people and then you roll out. Hey, Chris, let me start this first and then you <laughs> can finish it off. All right, so, um, okay, okay. Uh, we are both really efficient. If I could, if personally for me, if I can make only one uh, trip from the car, that's all I want to do. And I think a product that we owe a lot of um, – thankfulness to is uh the rock and roller which is this extendable hand cart that uh <laughs> i don't know the i don't know the proper dimensions but it was made for djs to transport uh their equipment and um yeah we both have it we both love it it's probably one of the uh, one of the top five yeah. products we bought last year <laughs> i'm gonna have to get a link to that so sure we'll, we'll add yeah. that to the show notes and i'll probably end up buying that uh this weekend <laughs> As a side note, we do not work for the rock and, rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> not a paid endorsement. <laughs> but that, that, I mean, it, I at first I scoffed at spending $400 on a dolly. <laughs> and then after I used it, I realized it's the, the greatest investment I've ever made. <laughs> well, that's another, <laughs> one another thing I wanted to ask about is that, like, looking at your booth setup now, it's you put a lot into it. And it seems like it'd be pretty expensive. But you guys do cons so much. That it it's like a, you're investing in your own brand and your own product, so it, it makes sense. But what were some of the like the first things that you invested in in terms of your booth space? So we covered the rock and roller, um, but oh. like looking well, at my, your my, actual booth, what are some of the things? It feels like we do on? a lot of cons. Well, we actually don't. Chris, I think he, he does the most is four cons. Uh, mm-hmm. three, yeah, yeah, three, three for sure. It's it. WonderCon, it Comic-Con, so DesignerCon, and just a, a fourth wild card sometimes. But I probably do <laughs> – I probably only do – the most is six to seven cons. It only feels like mm. we do a lot because 
I don't know. Well, maybe that that's... sounds like a lot still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're all within California. I know some people like do the convention circuit as their entire career going all across mm-hmm. the country. And I can never imagine. Oh, it's well, exhausting thinking yeah. about well, that. Uh, besides California, I'll do Seattle. I'll do Seattle anytime. I love the yeah. Seattle crowd. I think they're, I think they're amazing. But going back to the booths, I mean, it's definitely evolved since I started exhibiting in 2009. It's kind of like, you know, when you're looking at your old drawings from six years ago, like, oh, man, why did I, you know, why did I do I that? that? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a constant learning experience. And each show, you, you kind of hone your booth to your audience and, and your work. Um, and then going back to what Tony was saying it's about just making things visually interesting, I think, uh, you know, Tony mentioned that you're competing with everyone else. And I don't think you're competing, I guess, sales wise, sure, but. I mean, there's no, you know, it doesn't matter if your neighbor makes $10,000 more than you mm-hmm. do. Um, it's more about competing for the attention of the people there. Because at these huge conventions, especially at Comic-Con, like there is so much happening that if you don't have a way for... Um, to catch their eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, to catch your eye from, you know, walking through a crowd of, you know, hundreds of people, then... Uh, it's, it's just not going to be a successful show for yeah. you. So, Chris... And, you know, Comic-Con is kind of like the Super Bowl of conventions yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, versus these kind of smaller ones that we do throughout the year, which are still amazing. There's just n- nothing like Comic-Con. So what are some, uh, what's some advice then that you can give to someone who's sort of just getting started with, with cons and wanting to get their, their booth noticed? You've obviously learned a lot of lessons over the years and, and trying out different mm-hmm. things. Uh, is there anything specific or, or, or even just sort of a general idea for a booth that you could pass on to, to people who are listening? Yeah. Um, Tony, can yeah, I go, go ahead and this? Sure. Uh, so <clears throat> I think one of the main things which Tony touched on is that um, a lot of artists have a lot of talent, but then when they go to sell their work, it's uh, either people don't notice mm-hmm. their work because it's laying flat, but like just basics is have varying heights for your work. Um, it's a lot more interesting when, uh, uh, you know, your customer can kind of browse around uh, and having things at different mm-hmm. heights just makes it just just more uh, engaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is if you do have a brand, uh, if you have a logo or, I mean, some illustrators don't, it's just mm-hmm. their name. Um, but to kind of tie that into, uh, or kind of create a story or a narrative for what you're selling, it's not just a bunch of prints and then a business card. Yeah. So if you have, uh, if your work is heavily, if you know, uh, maybe nature inspired, mm-hmm. so maybe somehow incorporate that into your booth with, a tablecloth that has, I don't know, leaves, <laughs> you know, right, something, right. something in a way where it brings everything together, however that works. And how much you, of this, uh, of the actual display stuff? It doesn't have to be expensive. That's the other thing, too. People think you have to go out and yeah, buy everything. Yeah. Um, I like to make a lot of my okay. displays. So if you have the space or the means to kind of build uh, shelves or... You know, because sometimes you you can't find what you want to buy, so you have to make. Well, something <laughs> unique that you did is yeah. that like drawstring with a clips, kind of like the old uh, you know way people would dry their clothes. The, oh yeah, what yeah. What are those called? Those clips. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, just little, uh, just clothesline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pins. You've, clothes you pins, have yeah. like a clothesline print shop or like print display there that I I have yet to see anybody else do that. Yeah, I used to. I, I kind of retired mm-hmm. that, but yeah, I had to build that and string it every single time. <laughs> oh man! Which is why I only do three. Sh- 
Which one of the reasons why I only do three building shows. Building it wasn't annoying. It was actually stringing <laughs> yeah. over 180 yeah. characters. That was. Yeah. And Chris, Chris wants gone, it so. in a particular way that takes a bit more time. <laughs> yeah, I had a planogram where it showed like the exact order of everything. And, uh, that's the other thing, too. You know, Tony sketches a lot in his books, which I highly recommend people do to kind of mock up their display. But also I built a lot of the things that I wanted to do to scale in Illustrator, which I don't know, maybe some people use um, uh, use Illustrator for that, but it's a great tool to, you know, lay out an eight foot uh, wide or, you know, half scale, whatever uh, line to represent an eight foot mm-hmm, table. And mm-hmm. then how much can you fit on that table? Yeah. And it gives you a great idea of like, you know, what you can. Actually, can't I do. did that. Sorry, go ahead, Tony. Oh, uh, yeah, you go first, Mark. Go, go for it. I just so we just did the tasty real estate show. I don't know if you guys caught any of that on the yeah, social, but um, yeah, I set up the same way. I actually use InDesign, um, but it's the same thing where you drop in all the art pieces and the promo or the collateral, and so I made sure I had like the exact order of all the pieces and then the extra collateral and signage. So when I rolled up to start hanging. You know, it was like, all right, put this one up and this one goes next. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Got in and out of there within like an hour to hang all the pieces. But yeah, it makes everything so much easier and streamlined if you can plan that beforehand on the computer. Definitely. Especially if you have a lot to to display, like an art show. Yeah. There's there's two things I want to touch on. So there's a psychology. I feel like there's a psychology in the way you present your art because let's say... Let's say you're sharing a booth and there's two tables, right? And you put the tables to the side so people walk in. Mm-hmm. You're creating a really narrow space that kind of intimidates people. Where if they mm-hmm. walk in, I would, I would, if I were them, actually, I've been in that position. It feels like I'm forced to buy something because I'm actually <laughs> curious to actually go into that space. They're like, and you know, it makes people excited. So when you're sharing a booth and you create that, I call it like a gauntlet. I'd say <laughs> don't do that. Create like an L space where people. Mm-hmm where there's like a table in front of you and that separates you from the, um, the customer. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that really helps out, but actually that's just really getting deep into it. But, mm. um, to, que- to answer, no, that's good. to answer Jared's question, like starting out, yeah. I'd say you have to work with your best, um, best, best assets. Um, like what? What are you trying to create first? Like, or if if you're a fan artist and you want to really get, you know, um, caught by the attention of Marvel, DC, I think that's the art you should create just to you know get their attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris and I are different. Uh, we love uh, these heroes, but we do it in a style that's just very graphic, and we do appeal to uh, a different type of audience, uh, especially graphic designers mm-hmm. um, who just love these type of shapes. Um, yeah, so because of that, like, I don't know, Chris does really well with art prints. Like, he he creates this urgency that people want to buy. I cannot do that. Uh, when people buy my stuff, it's like <laughs> impulse items. It's like mini prints, um, greeting cards, and just uh, recently I found out, like, making stickers has sold really well mm-hmm. for me, like... For the longest time, like, no, I'm not making stickers. I think stickers are stupid. Personally, I would never buy stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just this February, I started turning my assets into stickers. I was like, I think go off one show. Yeah, actually, the latest show, 
which wasn't even a comic convention. It was just uh, kind of a craft fair. Uh, it was called the, um, the Maker's Fair in uh, San Mateo. I sold mm-hmm. $600 worth of stickers at a $250 <laughs> wow. price point. So I was moving a lot of stickers. So yeah, for me to sell, like let's say, a print at that $25 a print, I would not... Personally, I would not make $600 worth of uh, uh, profit off one mm. print design, but stickers, because it's just so small and so cheap and affordable that uh, right. people would grab it. So it's it's really, you really have to think, think about what you're creating, uh, what's the intended audience market, and like, what do you think would sell well? Uh, like, yeah, so honestly, I'm not going to make a killing, but I'm going to do well with stickers compared to prints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard um, DK and G talking on Adventures in Design about the importance of having like all these different price points covered in your booth. So you have like a five and under range, you have like a 10 to $20 mm-hmm. range and a 20 plus. If you have enough product fit in each one of those categories, you'll be able to reach a wider audience. So you know, if you have these, yeah, I, 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 subs- I subscribe to that mentality. Yeah, definitely. That business model. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes so much sense because you don't know who's coming into your booth, how much extra money they have and how much they're willing to spend. So if you can appeal to, you know, somebody super casual that just has a couple bucks, you know, a 250 for a couple stickers or a sticker pack, whatever, you know, is no big deal. But if you're really serious about getting some artwork for your walls, then it, they might be willing to spend over $20 for a poster or something. So uh, yeah, lo- I feel like that's, yeah. Uh, no, I was just curious. Like, this is always a touchy subject, like money when it comes up. And I, I know people get kind of uncomfortable talking about it, and rightfully so. But, like, how do these shows, these cons, sort of play into your overall, like, financial plan? It is, does it end up being more about promotion and being out there is it about spell it, selling a, a specific item like is, is there a philosophy from the financial side of it for for either one of you uh for me i can't do these shows and not and know that i'm going to come away breaking even it's just an enormous amount mm-hmm. of work uh it's almost hard to describe how much work <laughs> it is involved yeah in uh you know first creating the right. artwork getting it produced uh i do a lot of prints on my own so mm-hmm. that's hand cutting, hand trimming, signing, packing, and then the enamel pins. And just every other product requires basically, I'm doing it all by mm-hmm. hand. Uh, my girlfriend helps me out. Sometimes we have another friend um, come come do that. But basically, you know, I'm always getting my hands yeah. dirty. And it's just for Comic-Con alone, it's like two months of, of prep. <laughs> I can't even take any n- normal client jobs. Uh, Oh, wow. In, you know, the month and a half leading up towards Comic-Con. Right. Because I treat Comic-Con like a mm-hmm. job, because that's how, that's how much is at stake. Because it costs so much to be there. Um, I mean, a 10 by 10 booth alone, uh, even with early registration, is like $2,200. Oh, wow. oh, and that's just, that's just the booth, <laughs> yeah. you know? Not including anything I've spent on paper, on, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing. Hotel. Uh, right. And I don't even, yeah. yeah, hotel, food, and I don't even factor in my own time. Right. You know, that's just, I, I just kind of roll that in as that's just what it takes to get this done, you know? I throw uh, a shout out to Alina, so. our friend that helps us do all the production stuff <laughs> and also sells yeah. our shows. Yeah, Alina's a yeah. trooper. Uh, but yeah, uh, but, so yeah, going back to your question, Jared, I, I can't walk away just knowing like, hey, I, I met a lot of new fans. <laughs> 
and I didn't make any money, but I had a good time. I, at this point in my life, I just cannot, I can't do that. <laughs> let's, let's say, or not anymore, but I just can't let's say do that. Like a table costs you three hundred, and you make back that three hundred at the event that you know right. for two days. You'd have just paid twenty dollars to go to that event, mm-hmm. get inspired. Yeah, I personally <laughs> also agree with Chris. Like, don't don't go for breaking even. You're doing this, you know, to get your name out. Like, if you really want to get your name out, why don't you just keep on promoting on Instagram mm-hmm. um, or any social media outlet that will get you that attention? Um, yeah, it's, I think, uh, I don't want to say profit is our end game, but it really does help us uh, pursue our creative endeavors. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, for people that are saying, um, Oh, uh, it's, yeah, I just want to get my name out. And uh, I subscribe to the, the Mark Bricky theory where when someone buys your art and hangs it on the wall, that is your business card. And mm. uh, that is something that you can look upon for inspiration. Like, let's say you're an art director. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I could use this particular artist. Or other people within uh, in the vicinity will see that mm-hmm. same art and be, be like, oh, I want to use this. I want to use this guy. So you, you never know who's looking at your art. You never know when it'll become an opportunity. Right. Uh, yeah. You don't know if they, the, uh, someone will else be inspired, and then they'll see your art at a show and they'll buy it too. Um, yeah. So I think that if you go do one of these shows, you should definitely think about like, uh, what's your best interest? Like, do you really want to spend a weekend just wasting? I don't want to say wasting time, but uh, <laughs> just right. uh, yeah. it's it's your so weekend. Enjoy it. You guys have done, I mean, maybe only do a few per year now, but over the past few years, you've done several of these conventions. And I know um, that you've kind of moved around from your placement within the conventions. How important is it, like, where you are placed within the convention to how successful that show will be? Like, I know you can pay a premium price to get, like, a corner booth, um, there's artist alley versus small press or exhibitors area. Do you put any of uh, that stuff into consideration for each show? Uh, we don't normally get to choose. Well, most people don't normally don't get to choose where they're located each year. Mm-hmm. Um, on the application for all these events, it always says, where would you like to be placed? And, you know, then there's a fine print that says, you know, we can't guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes the shows change layouts. I, really it's, um, I don't know. I have people seek me out still, which is, you know, I'm grateful for, but there is, there are bad spots for, mm-hmm. for people just, to, you know, people don't walk to certain areas or there's just a flow where maybe there's a concentration of too many big companies. So people can like to kind of circle around there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> that, I feel like it's a huge, huge topic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain like what works and what doesn't. It's really a gamble for us. You know, we're replaced and we just have to kind of make the best of it and, and mm-hmm. hope that people find us sometimes. Well, let me try and make it a little bit more bite-sized. Um, mm-hmm. I know you can choose, like, if you want to do Artist Alley or Small Press or, like, the over, the general area. Do you think one of those is more beneficial to be placed in or to try and choose to go towards versus the other? Uh, I think Artist Alley, if you're starting out, is always a good spot. It's okay. just, you're, mm-hmm. there's there's always going to be artists, other artists there. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same, and it's generally more affordable yeah. too, but like, let's say WonderCon, I do feel like there was a barrage of like an entire army of artists alley that, uh, did you, did you guys get to go to uh, WonderCon except you, Chris? I know you did. I've been a few oh. 
like over the years, I don't think I went this past year, but I've been, you know, probably three or four times in the past. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you just want to get noticed, I would say WonderCon's good. But at the same time, you're competing against a, a whole bunch of other uh, artists that are trying to get that same attention. So, yeah, this is where that thing I said, we're like, you got to make your, your booth stand out or your, your table display stand out somehow. And if people aren't familiar, Artist Alley, you don't get a you know traditional 10 by 10 booth. You just get a six-foot table. And oftentimes, you get half of a six-foot table, which you share with mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah. So you have to make your you know your three-foot space sometimes. You have to make that count. Yeah. Yeah, and that could be really difficult. Um, but move, like, So the next question, it would be, uh, like, how do you choose? No, now you've kind of hammered it out which cons work for you guys. How did you come up with this list? of which cons to go back to regularly. Did you have a series of years maybe where you did conventions that didn't really pan out? Well, so for me, I actually used to do uh, kind of craft fair events when uh-huh. I had a greeting card uh, line with my girlfriend, uh, like the Renegade Craft Fair or Unique LA, just just basically all within Southern California. And um, But now it's just there are three a year that happens – that happen the fall and spring, summer and fall, mm-hmm. and just based on my workload during the year, it's just it's just perfect timing, and that's all I can commit to. <laughs> Tony, do you have a different like yeah. approach to which ones you say yes to? I don't have the uh, freelance clientele as Chris, so I'm more flexible with my time. Uh, this year, uh-huh. it happens so far. I've been doing for the for the last seven months. I've been doing one show a month, which is fine. Um, um, so yeah, I also focus on the WonderCon, DesignerCon, and ComicCon just because it's in California. It's easy to drive. Um, I'll still I'll still do craft fairs, but only the winter craft fairs because that's uh, that, that's really good money. I I can't uh, I just can't say do you, I can't well, say people are buying during the holiday right. season. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure if you said winter <clears throat> yeah. or winter. Yeah, the winter oh season. Uh, yeah, the winter. winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, tell me more about this. Sorry, Mark. Season. You're not invited to the winter season. season. It's called the winter season. <laughs> <laughs> or so, I guess they're one and the same, right? So how much do you guys uh, tailor your what you're carrying to each con? Like, do you do you change it up because each con has a specific flavor? Or, or do you just sort of say, this is what I'm doing this year, or this is what I've done in the past year, and here's what I'm, I'm selling? Personally, I do. Um, I do, yeah. So, because yeah. I carry greeting cards, and that's like it brings me a lot of money. Because people, um, people love the illustrations, but once they open the actual uh, cards up, they'll see mm-hmm. that there's like this extra little bit of uh, the wording inside, and it just really, they're like, "Oh, I've never seen anything like this before." It's just because it's a multiple check uh, checkbox system, which sounds, you know, it it, it is a bit novel, but it, mm-hmm. yeah, the way I do it, it works, it's pretty, right? it's pretty clever. Uh, if I don't. Uh, you know, toot my own horn. Uh, <laughs> so modest, Tony. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, let's say I do a San Francisco show and I have like pick, uh, things related to like, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge or any other uh, Bay Area stuff. Yeah, I only sell sure. that in the Bay Area. I'm not going to bring it to LA. And that's, you know, just just by location. But uh, there's other shows like, um, yeah, like if I do a craft fair, I really cut down on the, the fan art. Mm. Um, and if it's a comic book show, then yeah, I'll bring the fan art, cut down on a couple other uh, craft products. I know that won't sell well there. It's yeah, you you do have to gauge the audience. Like uh, if it's a hip audience, like um, like a, a hip craft fair, like Unique LA, then you uh-huh. know yeah, you, you gotta bring some more posh items. 
if yeah. it's like a, a, it's a, a convention, it's kind of like a geekier crowd. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, I just have to to gauge. Yeah, basically, the more you do different shows, the more you're gonna learn what that audience uh, goes for. And right. uh, one, it- one one funny product I have that Chris is always laughing at is like <laughs> I have this hip hop haunted house print. So oh, yeah. it's based on it's glow in the dark. It's too, glow right? in the dark. It's Ooh. it's a haunted house with all all dead rappers, and when it's in the dark. <laughs> Some of the rappers, you'll see their bones. They're all ghosts. <laughs> and um, I forget what show it was, but I was like, Chris, I sold like 10 prints at this particular show. He's like, what? I can't believe that. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot what show it was, but I was like, I also couldn't believe. And it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't even near Halloween. Actually, I think it might have been in Seattle. So that's why I love the Seattle crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to that, really, it's, you know, sometimes you'll make a print that you're really mm-hmm. excited about or a product. It doesn't have to be a print. And um, you'll find when you, you know, bring it to a convention or wherever for the first time that uh, either it does better than you expect or it underperforms. And, uh, it, you know, it's, sometimes you have to abandon certain <laughs> items because, you know, they, they take up space. So, um, you know, that's the other thing, too. Uh, I feel like in person, some things do better because people are more inclined to buy when they can touch and kind of hold right. and ask, ask questions and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, you know something may do a lot better in person than it does in my own. So that kind of leads to my next question: is about sort of the fan interaction. I mean, at these cons, especially the big ones like Comic Con, you get a mix of people who are just discovering your work right then and there, and people who know you and who come back either every year or or at different shows. Like, w- wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, do you enjoy the fan interaction part of it? Like, and for people who are starting out, how important? Is it to be sort of good at that to maintain your business? Um, I think I look forward to these shows a lot because I work at home and it's pretty isolating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in, in a way, you know, um, part of it is, yes, I'm out there to, to sell because it's my mm-hmm. business. But also it's a chance for me to uh, see a lot of repeat customers, like you said, and then um, and just kind of talk to people. Um, you know, oftentimes in my booth, it's just me, my girlfriend, and she'll be doing sales. And then I can just kind of uh, talk to people who have questions. And it's, it's great. I just I, I love I love that part the most, actually, which is why I spend almost the entire time in my right. space. talking. You know, some, sometimes you go to a booth and the artist or you'll ask, like, oh, is the artist here? And they're like, oh, no, he'll be back at 2 p.m. or oh, he'll be back tomorrow. It's, it's like I'm there the entire time just because you never know who you know, who wants to talk to you or who, who but, will meet. So I wonder if you can talk, because I think it's hard for a lot of, especially artists, like a lot of creatives have a hard time mm-hmm. with that social side of it. But how important do you... Oh. oh, Jared's gone. All right. Oh, Jared's gone. So Yeah. <laughs> he was asking um, a really good question too. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to ask a terrible one now. So, Tony, you asked, or you were mentioning that you have like a greeting card line, um and you, you, the other side, you kind of focus on pop culture. You both actually have multiple brands. brands. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tony, you've got, and this is another modest uh, thing that you do, the Tony Bowie Fan Club. Uh, that's one of your handles and brands. And then you got Genuine Haha. And then Chris has the Beast is Back and Nightcake Press. How like difficult is it for you guys to... Um, I don't know, kind of manage and juggle both of those brands, especially when you go to cons. Do you have to like, 
is there a divide there or does it just become, you know, your booth is both of these things? Uh, Chris, can I start first? So, um, <laughs> yeah, first of all, matching two brands is really stupid and really hard. Um, <laughs> Tone Booth Fan Club is the freelance brand I go under. And that's when, you know, I create stuff, all the fan art. So genuine uh-huh. haha is all the greeting cards. It's all the accessory stuff. It's just a. I feel it's a bit more polished if you look at the the Instagram, and um, yeah, that's all the stuff that I want to get to wholesale. Um, yeah, so that's not dependent on any fan art at all. So yeah, that's why I created um, my secondary brand. Um, in terms of, uh, actually, Chris, I'll let you jump in right there because I lost my train of thought already. well managing two brands is really hard uh i created night cake uh which is kind of my experimental illustration platform Mm -hmm. i kind of make whatever i want uh on night cake and and it's i carry pins patches and i plan to collaborate with other artists but um i made that as an extra outlet because there are things that i wanted to do that would not fit under the beast is back so in order for me to get those things made, I created Nightcake. <laughs> yeah. But to integrate both of them into, you know, convention space, or so people aren't confused, uh, is definitely uh, it's a juggling act, and I think it's a juggling. Yeah, definitely requires some balance. Um, I think because I'm the artist for both, there's kind of this uh, spirit or through line that kind of permeates into all my work, whether it be for uh, the beast is back or night cake uh-huh. so people don't get confused like oh is this you and i don't even think people even yeah. realize it's two different brands sometimes like <laughs> yeah that's the thing and you know because <laughs> people sometimes don't even realize that i'm the artist working at my booth <laughs> uh, they think it's a store it's or just something, so professional which, yeah <laughs> no which is i mean it's just fine it's a compliment but it's just in general it's like oh Oh, you're the artist. I'm like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is my booth. <laughs> so that's always funny. Did you have like, was there an attempt to have a bigger divide between Night Cake and Beast is Back? Because you said that people don't realize sometimes that it is two different brands. Did you want it to be completely separate and feel like there's a distinction between the two? Or I did, yeah. Um, I think when I first came up with the idea, I wanted to... I mean, I would even go as far as to say, like, I would just exhibit under Night Cake uh-huh. and bring only Night Cake products. Um, but then, as I de- developed more products for it and 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 kind of found its voice, I wanted to integrate it into the pieces back and kind of uh, meld the the brands together in like a Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. So, the, <laughs> so you know, they're the colors kind of carry over to each other. Um, but the products are still different and just the, the branding still just kind of comes together. Essentially only we know it's two different brands. Which is fine. <laughs> um, I mean, but there are a lot of people. So, I mean, there, there, there are people who follow me on night cake who don't follow me on the beast's right. back or who, who purchase only from yeah. night cake, but not from my, my personal store. So it's really, uh, I guess in that, in, in that sense, it is separate. Mm-hmm. There's a separate audience. Sure, and I'm always surprised. I'm back now, by the way. Uh, Welcome back. (laughs) Mark Mark likes to disconnect me when I'm asking better questions than he is. So (laughs) I got got the trap door pulled out from under me. But I think it's funny, like with the Night Cake pressing, like how much, uh, like, 
you can't rely on people to read or to, uh, <laughs> you know, like follow, like you can oh, explain yeah. <laughs> it over and over again on your site and you'll still get people who are coming to either one or the other without knowing the other two are connected. But, um, yeah, yeah cause I think that's, that seems common. So can we go, is it all right if we go back to my question, Mark? Yeah. I mean, so you're breaking up a little bit. What's so happening we, here? We, you, you might fall through that trap door again. <laughs> okay. So Chris, I wonder if no, you no, can you're good, you're just good, talk about that again, like going back to the customer interaction, like how important is that for people who are just starting out? Um, well, like you mentioned too, like I know a lot of artists are introverts or mm-hmm. introverts and, you know, putting them in kind of that uh, kind of spotlight is, is scary and I get it. Um, but, you know, kind of even going back to what Tony said, if you're, if you're attending these conventions to get your work out and, you know, in hopes to, you know, either maybe it's just for you, you just want to put yourself out there or maybe you're, you're really searching for some new clients. Um, the, 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 you know, part of that responsibility is, uh, you know, talking to people and answering questions and, you know, cause people are there because they're interested in your mm-hmm. work. You know, people stop at your, your table because there's something that, it, um, you know, that they thought was special. Yeah. So if you can't do it, um, like you're just too socially awkward, you're too scared. I would say get <laughs> a friend that talks well and let them do it because, uh, similar to Chris, I'll always get like, uh, <laughs> we both have females that work our boots for us. And for some reason, when females are selling <laughs> our stuff, they just do such a great job that I just, yeah, I don't even have, I just sit back. <laughs> Um, you have to. It's it's well, a whole I mean, booth babe concept. Oh, it's right. a booth babes. Is that booth no. babes? We, we don't make them wear don't anything. Say that. No, I wouldn't. I don't think I would agree with that. Well, Jared's my booth babe. Oh, uh, see, and, and you can that. Yeah, then that's why that well, hasn't paid off at all. One thing you, you have to treat this like a business because let's say you're sketching behind the booth, mm-hmm. and people see you sketching. They're like, okay, oh, he's an artist, but like, oh, he's too busy. So you know. They, that mm-hmm. might scare off a sale. So it's like you just can't, you can't just go off into your own world. You have to, you have to treat it like a business. The more legitimate you look like a business, the more people will come and look at the get the the item. And sometimes you don't, you can just say hi. You don't have to, you don't have to start a conversation because then you right. could look like you know like a used car salesman. So there, right. there's <laughs> right. a fine balance. You have to gauge people. You have to look at uh, social cues, see where you go with the conversation, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, going back to what Jared was saying, you know, there, the two extremes are uh, the the people who, you know, for every person that walks by, they're like, "Hey, do you like, <laughs> yeah. what, you know, whatever," to try to draw you into your booth, and then the the other side to that is the person who's just sitting in their chair on their mm-hmm. phone, <laughs> and so both are off putting because yeah. one is too aggressive and one is too passive, and uh, so for me, I have a rule that I never sit. Uh, during a show, which is grueling because it's, you know, a show, a show day is like six, seven right. hours. So I'm always standing, always attentive. Um, and I'm never on my phone. If people are in my booth, I'm not on my phone. Um, it's it's really easy to kind of fall back on your phone just because uh, it's there and we're all addicted mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm there for everyone else. So Yeah. So like Tony, was it, uh, did it take a while for you to get used to doing shows or were you I mean, you seem like a pretty social guy anyway, but was there some like, was there a learning curve to, to sort of working a show? Well, I'm pretty sociable. I could, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I guess, well, what did I have? Uh, just being professional, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I was too casual, 
but uh, <laughs> I, I guess I guess that's like if it was really self critiquing. But yeah, just 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 grow into speaking if uh, if that's something that scares you. But uh, even if you're if you're so scared, I would say get a friend that could really mm-hmm. talk on your behalf. Right. Or not even talk on your behalf, but just to be there as kind of yeah. uh, support. Your hype, um, your hype man. Because it's it's hard to do, a, you know, a table by yourself. Um, you know, especially if you're starting out. So. Yeah, I think so. Have you guys had any uh, strange fan encounters? <laughs> Chris gets Aside a lot more me than I do. Going up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, you know the only. I, don't, I wouldn't call it strange. I, I think what I experience a lot at these bigger shows is just people that want to talk to you but they talk to you for a long Mm -hmm. time without kind of being aware that maybe you have to bring up a sale or that someone else is uh you know has a question um so that that's the only thing that's kind of awkward sometimes right right. (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes the conversation i I mean i would love to you know it's like it's not that i don't want to talk to them but it's just um the, the timing is not it's not maybe not the right time to have a really long conversation. Right, and it usually happens. Yeah, right when you have a crowd at the booth or something. Jared, oh Jared, yeah. I don't know oh, what's going on with my like audio. Yeah, gosh, what's happening? Again. Sometimes a conversation can go for like fifteen minutes, and uh, that's that's in my opinion a little bit too long. Like, uh, <laughs> I think five minute conversations are great. I love making small talk, but like uh, once people go into the entire legacy and history of the Transformers. It's just, it's just too much for me. <laughs> I think earlier on, because I met you guys through conventions, I think. I mean, I might, I might have been following you guys online before, but I probably was on the annoying fanboy side for the first ones. But I try to be more uh, like aware of your guys' time now if I ever run into you at a convention or something and limit myself to the ramblings. But um, so moving past the conventions now, I know, well, kind of transitioning, Chris, you've done this for the past few decons, maybe not this last one, but you have been teasing this <laughs> toy line that you've got coming on with Matt Kaufenberg. Um, yes. So you actually, and it's been, I feel like it's been the last like 10 years and we still are waiting for something, but you actually had, it's actually been, it's been 12 years. Yeah. There you go. 12. <laughs> but, um, you actually had like, uh, you dabbled with toy production where you actually produced these, I forget the name of it, the free, right? Free something. Oh, oh, Freeman robotics. Freeman, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought that was really successful. And then now you're doing this partnership with or this collab with Matt Kaufenberg um, that we, you know, we hinted has been going on for the past 12 years. Is there <laughs> are we going to see that anytime soon? Yeah. So so Matt Kaufenberg is just an amazing illustrator in Minnesota. And we, we became really good friends. Uh, we actually met through, I mean, of all places, DeviantArt. <laughs> and oh, wow. uh, our styles just melded really well together. Mm-hmm. And um so yeah, so he's a he's a great guy. But um, so yeah, we have this uh, toy project called Joyriders, and it's kind of this our take on kind of the retro uh, kind of space toys from the seventies, uh, akin to like Adventure People or yeah, uh, but using our own characters. So you know, there's a there's a pilot astronaut um, kind of explorer guy named Brett Bradfield and an alien. Uh, scientist slash security officer mm-hmm. uh, named Professor Xantham. <laughs> uh, and it comes in like a little rover, six, six-wheeled six vehicle. And um, yeah, hopefully we... 
So the goal is to, after this Comic-Con, after the Comic-Con dust is settled, is to, to roll out that Kickstarter. So I know it was supposed to launch in spring, but it's definitely coming this summer, like 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to get uh, Matt on at some point and get his side of the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, realize it's kind of hard for everyone to visualize, but yeah, it's well, we'll it's pretty cool. We'll have some yeah. images or links because I know you posted some little teaser images in the past, so we'll have links to those in the show notes so people can yeah. see what we're talking about. Um, but speaking of Kickstarters, Tony, you actually have um, a Kickstarter coming up as well. Yeah, so right. it goes live this Thursday, uh, June no July thirteenth. Um, it's a kids' book. It's a glow in the dark uh, board book that features ten important world events, and the glow in the dark will feature like um, uh, how those events affect uh, affect us now. So you know, the Revolutionary War will be one spread, and then the glow in the dark feature will be. Uh, the 4th of July, which is fireworks, uh, eating hamburgers. Going pretty deep there, Tony. Uh, you know, I just want to make a really cool kids <laughs> book that touches on yeah. innovation, quality, uh, science. I have, I have one spread dedicated to vaccines because there's so many people that don't, you know, that don't think it's true. So I just, I just want to <laughs> get kids on the right. The right. How, did, how did you come up with this concept? You know what? I don't know. And I also don't <laughs> even know when I started the idea. I know I pitched to Chris, and, mm-hmm. and Chris gave me ideas. Like I was like, "Hey, Chris, do you think I should draw World War Two?" He's like, "No," <laughs> 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 because a lot of innovation came through World War Two. But he's like, "No, do not draw that." So I don't I honestly don't know. I, I don't. I don't think. Of, I, I guess it's in my been in my head for like. More than two years, like I've been wanting to make a book, a kids' book that touches on these things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, let me make a book of really cool uh, heroes that you know, no one talks about the guy that discovered the vaccine, so stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's where I came up with the idea. But I don't know a specific time frame of uh, when I came up with it or how I came up with it, but it's probably in a sketchbook so- somewhere. I want to talk about the actual Kickstarter campaign. So I know with Kickstarter, you can have, I think it's either like 30 or 60 days for your funding period, which, uh, how long is, is your funding period going to be? Mine's going to be only 30 days. I don't want to make it last any longer because if it doesn't, uh-huh. I feel like if it does, if I don't hit it in two weeks, I'm not going to hit it in six weeks. So yeah, 30 days. So do you have like a full-on marketing campaign and social media campaign ready to go for this where, you know, day one you're going to post these things pushing your Kickstarter and then yeah. day two you're going to do this and you have the whole 30 days mapped out? I don't have that, but I do have the social marketing rollout just on Instagram right now for for this uh-huh. week. It's going to be another two posts. Um, I have press releases that I already sent one out to. So I have a total of about 17 press releases. It's three mm-hmm. three different uh, types of outlets. Parenting, um, geeky stuff, and then uh, design. So I'm going to send it to them and hope, like, if five blogs pick it up, then it's good because it's, it's, it's like, really big influencers. And then um, once it actually is live, I'm going to put it on Reddit in the subsection Shut Up and Take My Money because... Um, <laughs> The, the, that's what you're looking for well, I, I've put products on that before and it gets a lot uh-huh. of 
well, I don't know if it get, people buy it, but it gets a, a lot of eyes on it. So I know when I put the hip hop poster on, I got yeah. 15,000 views in a matter of, I don't know, less less than oh, three yeah. days. So, you know, 15,000 eyes on like a small, uh, a small page. Is, that, that's good. Um, Jared, we're going to have to look into this Reddit thing. Yeah. <laughs> How did you come up with some of your uh, the, the different levels of, of reward for, for investment on these? Because some of them are pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, can we you can you can talk about them if you want or yeah, I don't know if you want to wait. About it. So, OK. OK. So the, the book is going to be fifteen dollars because I, th- I just think that's a fair price for a book for definitely a kid's mm-hmm. book. Um, mm-hmm. But I know at the twenty five dollar range, that's what most people usually buy in any product so I, I knew i had to make a cool ten dollar product and like mm-hmm. if i look at all my book spreads the thing that i personally love the most and i know people other people love are dinosaurs so i was like oh. okay let's make the dinosaurs into enamel pins and sell them at 10 so 10 plus 15 would be 25 so I'm hopefully i'm banking a lot of people getting that and plus from all the other um what i've read about kickstarters like people don't take into consideration about uh shipping and that's mm-hmm. where they get really screwed over. So I was like, all right, make really small items that I could ship with the book that wouldn't bring the shipping higher than what it is. You know, just to, it might scare yeah. people off if the shipping's too much. So, yeah, so that's why I made uh, pins of all the dinosaurs, of all the really popular characters. I turned them into stickers. And uh, hopefully th- that's where uh, people would want to buy it just because it's, it's, I think it's pretty cool accessories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this something that you're going like you would like to see into physical like brick and mortar stores or maybe sell online through different retailers? Or are you hoping to just get this published and you have inventory that you can push through your sites and then other live events? Um, yeah. So I want to fulfill every order that goes to the Kickstarter. Uh, I work with a distributor. So let's say I do get wholesale orders then they'll mm-hmm. handle that section. Uh, I don't know if I want to sell more. Of, I, I probably would sell it off my website, um, but I, I, I don't have that many quantities. I, 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 I you know, I, when, you, when you create a business, I just love the creation of the item. I hate, yeah. I hate the, the social uh, media part of it. Uh, <laughs> I hate I hate. The putting on the website, I hate promoting it. I hate the logistics. I just, <laughs> I hate the shipping. I hate all that. I when I create stuff, <laughs> I just love creating stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just more stuff on my plate. I, I mean, you know, it's gonna be it probably be cool money, but I do feel like well, we live in such an age where if they see the product, they want it right away. And I just don't see uh, if there's not that much promotion going into it. I don't see the longevity of any project for living. Uh, way too long, not unless you know you, you keep on doing some social media marketing campaign the entire time. Right, right. Is this is children's books and uh, literature something you're interested in pursuing as a career or doing more projects on, or is this something that you just had the idea and thought this would be that, good for this specific idea? That is actually a great question. Yeah, I've <laughs> always wanted to do children's books publication, and it's. From what I know, there's always gatekeepers that, you know, to, to break through and actually connect with people, mm-hmm. which is like a really hard step. And then there you got, you know, you come up with an idea. So I was like, all right, let's bypass all this. Let's have, this is a project I've always wanted to do. So yeah, I was like, let's self-publish this. 
And honestly, it's not going to bring me in that much money because right now it's about 13 for 500 books, which is the minimum. It's $13 to actually make a book. So I'm oh selling at fits. Yeah, I know. Expensive. It's my, in terms of, you know, trying to be rich, this is a really <laughs> stupid idea. So that's why, I, <laughs> that's why I really need Kickstarter because I'm like, I can't, if I was to sell you this, you won't be able life, to fund it yourself. Yeah. All this money would, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd make the money. So yeah, Kickstarter has a really good platform. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just getting my name out there and making something really cool. For the for the pledges of four hundred dollars or more, you're offering something pretty original. I think. Uh, do you want to talk about that one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm offering a pizza party at the four hundred dollar. Um, yeah. So once in the Bay Area and once in LA, it's only one each because I do not want to eat that many pizzas. Um, <laughs> Will there be uh, the uh, the entire Tony Bui fan club be in attendance? It's just me. <laughs> so yes. So yes. <laughs> I'm almost positive. Uh, Will you get a guest appearance by The Beast is back? Uh, you know what? That was the intention for the L.A. <laughs> one, but I'm almost positive Chris and our other L.A. friends are going to go for that uh, that bid. I was really hoping. <laughs> I don't know. I was really hoping, like, you know, an attractive female sees the video. And she's like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is a great Kickstarter. What a cool guy. And, yeah, I just end up going on, like, two Four hundred dollar dates. That was the that was the original plan. So so maybe they can add like a swipe right on Kickstarter <laughs> yeah. now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm using Kickstarter to meet women. Yeah, that's that's, that's essentially. <laughs> yes, make them pay four hundred dollars to go out with you too. <laughs> For a pizza date, no less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not even letting them choose a location. They tell me where they live, and I'll yelp the location. And I'll <laughs> so I'm taking it taking away that power. I think you're really onto something there, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, before we wrap up, I want to swing back to Chris's Kickstarter campaign that may or may not ever happen. Um, do you? It's gonna happen. <laughs> I, I'm just teasing you because I've been waiting so yeah. freaking long. But um, the I asked Tony this if he's got like his marketing campaign laid out do you and matt have something similar planned out as far as your posts go and how you're going to promote the uh your kickstarter um we do but nothing has been made yet so you will <laughs> we have some of the perks uh -huh. that um uh some of the perks that are are, are done and manufactured mm. but i don't want to share yeah. those yet yeah um well maybe but in terms of our plan uh <laughs> there's nothing concrete 400 gotcha. pizza parties there you go. Yeah, we're actually going to do a two hundred dollars pizza party, uh, and hopefully, you know, that takes off. Actually, I, I have one well, more thing to say. So, uh, in terms of um, uh, presenting your my Kickstarter project, like uh, it's it's actually one week before Comic Con, and I did that on purpose. So, mm -hmm. let's say that one week I don't make it, I don't hit it. At least at Comic Con, I'll have flyers to promote um, that there Kickstarter, and I'll also have an email sign up list. So, you know, just in case people grab the flyer and forget, I'll email them out. So, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of thinking that goes into uh, a campaign like this, um, yeah. especially when it says when you're looking, asking for $15,000. So we'll definitely link to all of this stuff on the on the site. Yeah, we'll, we'll put all the posts on there so people in our show notes so people can access your Kickstarter easily and uh, be able to 
pay for that um, pizza party. But like other than the buttons that we talked about early on, do you guys each want to talk a little bit about what you're going to have at Comic-Con this year? If there's anything specific people should be looking for? Um, this year I have a bunch of new screen prints, uh, which I'm excited about. And uh, there's a few other prints I haven't shared yet, but um, those will be coming in, the, in a couple weeks. Uh, a bunch of new pins, uh, th- just a ton of different things. Cool. I know. So I know that Chris, you're a big printer guy. Like you are, you know more about the printing process than I think the average illustrator or designer knows. Do you do your own screen printing too, or do you outsource that? I outsource that. I, <laughs> you know, screen printing is something I wanted to learn, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people kind of do simple projects at home, but I just don't. You know, it's a, it's a time issue. I just don't yeah. have the time. And the learning and, um, curve is pretty steep, I think, for that to like. Yeah, kind of, and that's the other thing too. Like I've you know created these illustrations specifically for screen printing, and then if I screw that up, I just don't have the time to, to mm-hmm. tweak or figure out what happened or. Yeah. Uh, especially with a tight timeline like this, and just in general, sometimes it's better just to let the pros do it. <laughs> yeah, and well, and then yeah. the space too is screen printing equipment is it's not a small thing takes up a lot of physical space yeah i mean some people can do it on their desk you know just like a single (laughs) single screen single screen um but it's just one of those things like if i want it done right i know i can't do it the first time right so that's you know there's so many shops out there that just do such amazing Mm -hmm. work so yeah tony do you have anything special other than the buttons um for comic-con yeah so i also planned out uh, the, the assets I was creating based on uh, the buttons because, you know, we're giving away free Star Wars stuff and I have a feeling it's just going to go away really quick. So I decided to make Star Wars stickers based off characters that we didn't hit already. So I have four new decals inspired by Star Wars. also have two um, really cool enamel pins of C-3PO and R2-D2. So yeah, a lot of Star Wars stuff. And then... Um, you know, the only prints I'll have this year are uh, the X-Men print. And it's just, mm-hmm. just like sketches from my uh, my book, my sketchbook. And uh, I just really mm-hmm. wanted to draw a really cool Iceman, which I did. And then <laughs> I expanded to the, the other characters I really enjoyed. Awesome. Well, we'll have um, links to all of your guys' social sites and your websites. Um, and then... I'm sure you guys will post where you'll be at at the con. So if anybody's listening and you want to figure out where they're going to be, I'm sure just give them a follow and they'll post their booth numbers um, and how to find them at Comic-Con probably the week of, right? Yeah. And I mean, you can – right now I have it posted on my profile. Oh, there you go. You can follow me. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Jared, you got anything else before we sign off? No, I think we're good, and I'll stop having audio issues then, and we can (laughs) wrap it up for you guys. All right, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time and this just huge amount of knowledge that you shared with everybody about conventions and branding and all the other nice tips you shared. So I want to just say thank you, Um, and we definitely would love to have you back sometime to talk about your your successful Kickstarter campaigns. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Let's <laughs> and uh, we're yeah. po- we'll post a lot of this stuff on the Facebook page as well. So if you haven't already, go over to our Facebook page and give us a like or a follow or whatever. And uh, we'll we'll try to post as much uh, extra stuff for each episode as we can there. 
All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Do it up. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Squared Goal podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Goodbye.